Welcome to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin. And today is part three, the final part, the conclusion of my interview with Mike Manazer, call sign nasty. Mike is a two-star Admiral U.S. Navy retired. He is also author of the fantastic book, Learn How to Lead to Win. Now, I want you to sit back to enjoy the thrilling conclusion of my conversation with Mike. You know... Life is all about relationships, and great leaders heavily invest in those relationships. On the Relationships and Revenue podcast, we talk about how to improve our most significant relationships at home so we can be better in our business relationships. We talk with experts from all over the world representing many disciplines about the best tips and strategies to become amazing people and amazing leaders. Welcome to the show. One of the best characteristics I've ever seen in world-class leaders is that they create other leaders. Right. They're known for doing that. They spot the talent like you talked about earlier. They can see it in other people and then they find a way they draw it out of them. It's like, okay, let's get more out of you and don't necessarily promote to promote, but give the person more responsibility if they can handle it, again, without the title, like we talked about before. If they're doing it without the title, they'll do it with the title. But the, the opposite is definitely not true. Yep. No, you're exactly right. In fact, um, as a leader, you must, must stare at your people and seek out and develop the potential they have. And the way you do that is you're watching for things and you're listening to them. So if you're, you, you, you have to delegate first, you have to give people things to do. You have to, otherwise you can't develop them as a leader, right? And so you have to be willing to trust people and you watch, you watch how they communicate, you watch how they lead, you watch how they influence. And by the way, there can be toxic leaders influencing in your organization. So you need to understand where the informal leadership exists in your organization. Mm. And you might be having people that are taking your organization in the wrong direction and you've got to get rid of them. Yeah. They don't, they don't stack up with your values. Okay. So, so you look for those people, you give them something to do. And then, and the thing I like to say, John, is there's only two requirements for a successful leader, an effective leader, just two. Okay. Give guidance and remove barriers. Oh, yeah. That's it. Just those two. You don't need to do mm -hmm. anything else. You give guidance to your team. So here's the bumpers. We're going to that North Star. Here's why. Here's what I need you to do, that target you get to. You guys determine how. Mm -hmm. And then come back to me and tell me what I need to move out of your way to, in order for you to keep going. Okay. And they will want to come back to you and say, hey, boss, we, we, you know, we, we can't get past this barrier. Well, keep trying. You know, so what, <laughs> what do you want me to do? Oh, okay. And they finally get there and they go, I need this removed. And so you as the boss, you're the one with the power to remove that barrier, whether it's your own company policy, your own company barrier, whether you got to go to higher authority to do, you know, to remove that barrier. But your job is to go after that barrier and die on that hill for the team. Mm. Those two things, they, they will perform for you. And what you do in that North Star, the thing I used to tell people is you set a target. You as a leader, whether it's flying a Tomcat, driving USS Nimitz, setting a goal for the company, doing something that you know in a skill set, your target, that little X-ring is that big. Mm -hmm. It's little tiny. You want your folks that you're training to hit the same target, but their X-ring is this big. So it's a mm -hmm. boundary around yours. And if they hit that target, good. Then they're learning 
and they're succeeding and you're, you're, you're celebrating those wins with them. Mm. The people that consistently hit your X-ray, those are the people you bring up and you promote and you place. Mm. So you need to look at those people and you need to look for those people that get it. They're communicating well with you. They, you are only halfway through a sentence. They go, yep, that's what I did. Got it. And they're gone. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. they're already performing. And you see, most of us see a little bit of ourselves and people like that. And you go, that, okay, that's my successor. That's a successor yeah. for this company. They have potential. And you start to challenge them to see if you can draw out that potential, turn it into performance. Mm. Give them things harder and harder and harder. And that trust, and you pull them out of, you know, where, where we at. And you, you create, you know, a better performing team. And by the way, we talked about our inclusion. Mm -hmm. Look for everybody. I mean, they might look or you know something about them. It's like off the tradition mm -hmm. might be your best worker, your best leader mm. for some, some human reason, right? Yeah. That they're whatever that was that they grew up in created this leadership potential for you that you might not see immediately. That's why I use our, and, and I'm very inclusive in talking about organizations. When I was doing my research, there was a, uh, some phrasing that I saw uh, that you had included, and I, I wanted to, to kind of touch on that a little bit. You talk about human-centric leadership, and so what, I guess what I want to know is, how can we unlock the secrets of human-centric leadership? Because that's clearly, that's super important to you. Yeah. First of all, you have to, you have to learn, start with learning their names. Yep. We Learn their mm -hmm. back, learn what makes them tick. Why do they come to work every day? Thank them for coming to work every day. Mm -hmm. so a funny tongue in cheek. Hey, thanks for coming to work today. Well, of course. <laughs> See what drives them. Learn to know them as another person, no matter where they are in relation to the gradient. With okay. Particularly important was, was C-suite. Mm. Okay. Because your power as a C-suite individual in the effect you have on your employees when you learn who they are, you're going to get a magnified effect. Uh, of them working for you because they don't expect mm. you to know. They don't mm. expect you to know their name. They don't expect you to know their background. They don't expect you to come around a corner and go, hey, Sam, how's Sally today? Mm. Oh, she, uh, uh, she's fine. Uh, <laughs> okay. You remember that? You know, and yeah. yeah. And then they'll walk away shaking their head like, that guy really cares about me. And when you demonstrate care, mm. that's human-centric leadership. Because, because what they think about and talk about is, that guy has my back. Mm -hmm. No matter what happens, I can trust him. That's where the statements come. I'd fly, I'd, I'd, I'd go through fire with that guy. I'd go to hell with that guy. I'd go to, mm -hmm. I'd go to hell with that girl. Yeah. Woman. I mean, I, I do boys and girls a lot. I, I shouldn't do that, but, um, you know, I, I really respect her. I, she, why do you respect her? Well, she cares about me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why is that important to you? Cause I know she has my back. If something bad were to happen, I know she'd tell me the truth and she would have my back, even if it, it critically affected like just me. Mm -hmm. I know that it would be, she would care about me and, and whatever the result was going to be. And that's human-centric leadership. Mm -hmm. Now, do you, do you engage like uh, tools and things to help you accomplish that? Uh, I, I can be specific. I, I have something in mind. Um, go ahead. I mean, there, there, are, there are lots of tools out there. Some of them are, are personality profile kinds of things. But I, I'm thinking specifically of something else. Now, most people do not think of using this particular tool in the workplace, but I found it very helpful. Um, Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book several years ago called The Five Love Languages. Are you familiar with the book? I'm the title only. I haven't read it yet. Okay. Um, I know what you're talking about. Well, the great thing about it is 
he wrote that book as a way for people to understand their relationships at home better, specifically mm -hmm. with your spouse first, but also, you know, like with your kids and that sort of thing. But I have found ways to take those same things because everybody needs a different type of love in order to feel it. Typically, what we do wrong is we tend to give love how we like to receive love. And so if the other person happens to match us, then it works great. But since there's five of them, you got pretty much a one in five chance of that working out, which is yeah. not great. Yeah. And so I have been able to employ some of those same types of things with other people in the workplace. Not necessarily how do they want to be loved by me, but it helps me understand them better. How do, how do I relate to them? Uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, someone who's on track with you. It's like, oh, they can finish your sentence for you and they're good to go. It's like, what kind of conversations do you need to have with people in order for them to feel the connection that you're yep. talking about? Is it the person where I need to send them an email because they need bullet points from me and that's all they need and we are connected forever versus say the person who needs that two minute conversation daily with you in order to feel connected? I would separate the two ideas. Okay. Um, it is about love. It is human centric and there and, and people, when you talk about love, they get like, that's romantic and it's, it's not that it is, it is caring enough about the person to reach out to them. It is, it is body language. It is, it is a hand on the shoulder. It is eye contact. It is a, it is an inclusive tone. It is a, I care about you kind of tone. It's pausing and talking to them. That to me, it's a smile. It's a sense of humor. It's a, mm. it's a non-official informal that person who's supposed to be my boss and does not have time to waste with little old me just spent five minutes with me in the cafe oh yeah. my gosh you know and then two weeks later calls me by name down the hallway and asked about the thing that i told him about that i was most worried about that day mm. human connection there that is different from the thing you brought up which is a, the method of communication to different people Yes. You have to care and love all of them. Some people might get it in, in a, you know, five, five, you know, five bullet email. Some people have to come lean on your door jam and go, Hey boss, can you just explain to me a little more, which might drive you crazy because in the workplace can be distracting. It's like, Oh God, okay. <laughs> we went over this already. And, and so oh, it is hard. It is hard, hard, hard work being a leader, an inclusive leader with everybody and being mm. able to, to give the same love to everybody, no matter their communication paths and desires, and also, you know, how different they are like than you. And yeah. so just that's the hardest work of being an inclusive leader, leading from your mm -hmm. heart. It's you, 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 you have to kind of give that to everybody. And your tone is positive. It's, it's passionate. It's beat. It's, it's spirited. It's, this is so freaking cool. Why would you not want to be here with me? Kind of attitude all the time. Yeah. You can set on Nimitz at 5,000 people running around going, this is great. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, so, I mean, it's that kind of, you know, happy leader, joyful leader, um, inclusive leader who's willing to stop a second and say, you know, how are you doing today? And they know you have no time at all in your day to stop a second and say, how are you doing? Yeah. Define success for me. For yourself or an organization? I, you, your choice. Well, you reach the North Star or you keep moving towards the North Star and you can measure progress. Uh, that's okay. that's success. I think that people go, uh, you know, I succeeded today means they met their goals for that day. And if you have a true North Star or vision out in front of you, you never reach that North Star or vision. Mm -hmm. So you're succeeding if you're going that direction. And sometimes you might have to actually point out success to people and they'll go, hey, we just had failure at the 
character failure, you might have to keep them motivated by going on a second. We learned this, 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 and this. That to me is success. Mm. When Elon Musk's rocket, you know, blew up the other day, well, two, two, a couple of weeks ago now, three weeks, mm -hmm. SpaceX crew, you see them, they cheer when it lifts off and they cheer when it blew up because the, the thing, the system that made it blow because it was going off course worked. So they yeah. cheered because it, so it was a successful test of the system. The rocket blew up, which looked right. like a fear, but you know, it depends <laughs> on your definition of success. And, and I think sometimes as a leader, it's an interesting question, you know, because my reaction to you was, well, what do you mean? Right. Sometimes as a leader, you might have to actually put into words what success means for people either before the task. And in fact, I've used that before. Mm -hmm. Success in this endeavor means that we, A, B, C, um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and you, you've laid out a vision for them moving forward so they know what to look for when they succeed. Or, you know, when people are saying, hey, you know, where are we? I say, well, I'm, I'm seeing a couple of successes here, this and this. Let's build on those and create momentum towards the next, you know, whatever that goal needs to be. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a stated, it's something specifically stated by the leader. Gotcha. You know, one, one of the things that every, I'm going to go back to a word we just used, every successful person I've ever known they have at least one, usually more than one, but at least one daily habit that they do. So I want to know, Mike, what is your top daily habit? Well, it's kind of a cliche. Uh, okay. I'm going to get up in the morning. I, I list the things I'm grateful for on purpose. Mm. And I, I do as many as I can. Some people do three. Mm -hmm. Overachievers do 10. Um, okay. So I, how many does Mike do? Three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, I, and I do it intentionally so that I can put the day into perspective. And so that, that's a habit that I use. The other, the other generalized habit is I'm, I'm known as a fairly positive guy, no matter what's going on. I will, because there's only two ways to be positive or negative. That's it. I mean, you can either be upbeat and positive about the next minute or the future or negative, like it's going to suck. Well, which one would you rather be? Right. And who would you rather follow? So exactly. <laughs> I tend to have a positive affect and which is a positive habit. Mm. And when you combine the great gratefulness or gratitude with a positive habit, I had a particularly bad day yesterday. Yesterday was Monday. Mondays are always bad days. Mm. I just had a bad day, but I had an interesting day because unlike other Mondays, I spent yesterday actually bouncing off the thing I was grateful for with the thing that was frustrating me the most. And, and it happened throughout mm. the day. And I said, yeah, that happened. But you know what? I got this done. And it was a very interesting day because I don't do that very often where I'm just having a bad day. It's a bad day. That's it. I'm looking for, you know, get done with the day no matter what. Tomorrow's Tuesday. It's going to be good. Mondays are always bad. The questions, unanswerable questions are always there. By the end of Friday, you've answered everything and it's the weekend. So they just are, right? Yeah. But I was bouncing off between the gratitude piece. Like I just, I was working outside and some things were coming over the phone from work and I wasn't happy at all. And I was having to kind of trade and I, I was doing some stuff out in the garden. So I'd stand on the shovel for a second and go, you know what? It's nice to be outside. Yeah. And just, all right, put that over there. Mm -hmm. And then I get another call or a text and I go, <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm happy I got this done today, you know? And, and mm -hmm. so I was bouncing the thing. So I would say that positive affect or a positive habit, um, I would recommend to your audience that if you haven't heard of it or read it, the book of joy published in 2016 by the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Tutu is wonderful. It has the eight pillars of joy in it. And uh, there are four mental and four in the heart. And it talks about how to think about joy. And, mm. you know, from these two people who have had so much adversity in their life, and that's part of the secret to, you know, that their, their secret of joy is, is, you know, they have to look at adversity and go, well, you can be, you can either get buried by adversity or you can overcome it with a joyful attitude. And so it's, mm -hmm. it's a spectacular book to read. Mm. 
so yeah, that's my, my general habit is positive. Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. You bring up the word joy. Um, those who tune in to this podcast with regularity, you guys can tune out now because it's going to sound like something I've said before, but here it is. Too many people, I believe, equate joy and happiness. Correct. From my perspective, they are completely different. Yep. And, and here's how. If you do a word study on the word happy or happiness, it actually means happenstance. Hmm. Translation, I'm happy because of what's going on right now. So if those circumstances change to a way I don't like, therefore, I am now not happy. Joy, on the other hand, is an active choice. I choose joy. I choose to be here even in the midst of the worst things happening in my life. And the example I always give are accounts, numerous accounts of Holocaust survivors about what their experience yeah. was like in the middle of the concentration camps and how the, the, the word, regardless of the language, joy, you heard it over and over and over again. Any account you read, you hear that. Talk about the joy they had in the midst of the massive suffering that they went through. It's like, how is that possible? Part of it goes back to something you talked about before, the North Star kind of thing. It goes back mm -hmm. to things like that, knowing that there is something better out there, that even though this is happening, this doesn't have any impact on how I feel about me and my family and what's going on there. I heard uh, or I learned two things that I equate to what you just said, said slightly different, differently. Happiness, yes, the cookie clock. Happiness <laughs> is the absence of want mm. and joy to me equates to purpose. Mm. And so those Holocaust survivors were joyful because they had a purpose. They're going to get out of that, that badness, right? And the evil. Yeah. The book of joy by the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Tutu talks about these gentlemen who experienced so, so much adversity. They're joyful because they know that there is suffering beyond anything they've ever, ever, you know, experienced themselves. And they're both, you know, experienced a lot of suffering. And so mm -hmm. I think, uh, I, I, I do also listen with interest, um, to the Holocaust survivor accounts. The other thing that really strikes me, John, is the Holocaust survivors live a long time. Yeah, and I did. had this idea, somebody who is, who is experienced with living against adversity, that there's resistance to their life. And of course, maybe that's the will of God as well, that they live a long time and stuff. But um, sorry, this is long and in, uh, John, um, that people that live against resistance live longer. They're strengthened by that. And it, it just, it's an idea that's bouncing around in my head hmm. that, you know, people who live a relatively softer life. I mean, you never know why, you know, somebody who smokes and drinks bourbon every single day lives to 98. Right. And they're right. supposed to die of disease or some disease like decades ago. <laughs> That's what they do. And you go, man, and you start to look at their life a little bit and you realize that there's been a bunch of adversity along the way. And I think humans are strengthened by adversity or resistance. Mm. Something, something to think anyway. Sounds like there's another book in there for you, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's rattling around. Yeah, it's rattling around. Way, way too much to think about, right? I just need some more time. <laughs> I need some more time. There you go. There you go. Let it percolate. Yeah, percolate. That's right. That's good. Going back to our theme of leadership and more characteristics of the best leaders, they seek out people to help them get better in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. So with that as our backdrop, who is investing in Mike right now? 
Well, you know, throughout my Navy career, you know, I've had, I've had mentors, uh, senior officers who were mentors to me, who invested in me. I still have very, very close retired um, admirals who, who invest in me and who I can call. Mm. My, um, my business partner, close confidant and mentor, Ben Carroll, who I mentioned the acknowledgments of the book, the book doesn't get written without him. He's mm. the closest I have right now to a life coach and mm. a mentor. Just we've, we've connected at a really deep level. We're, we're, we're pretty close to being brothers. The love we mm. share uh, is stupendous. And it's, it is because of God, God got us together and it just, he, he is a man of God and he's a, you know, way, way better than me. Uh, <laughs> But it's it's undeniable that that the, that our paths in life so different, you know, crushed together in in the mm. purpose of writing this book, right? So he's probably the closest. And then I have I have several people I trust, um, you know, in 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 my company. And then of course um, the number one person investing in me is about sixty five feet that way. That's my wife Kelly. Mm. Um, you know, forty one years worth of taking care of each other and. You know, mm -hmm. making sure my ego doesn't get too big to fit through the door and, <laughs> you know, and making sure I do all the right things and, and stuff. And, and of course, my mm -hmm. kids probably care about what their dad, you know, is and becomes and stuff. So that's what I would say. Okay. And how are you investing in yourself right now? This gives me a lot of joy and purpose. You know, I've been uh, working in the defense business. I've been doing a similar task for, for you know, over a decade now as an admiral in the U.S. Navy and then now out in the defense industry, sort of the same stuff. Um, it's familiar to me. I can do it in my sleep. Um, <laughs> you know, I retired from the Navy and so, oh, all right, well, what's next, right? Where's the North Star? Um, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I work in a civilian company. I try to do the best I can here. Or, yeah. So this, this journey that I'm on right now uh, with a lot of help, you know, with, with Ben and, and Kim Francis, my marketing director and, you know, people like you who I've learned so much from over this. I mean, it's the time's flown and we're already, you know, we're at two hours. It's amazing. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, and, and people I meet along the journey here are, you know, the reverberation of this, this journey is, is just it's amazing to me. It's opened yeah. my eyes and my heart and my brain into things that I just didn't think about before. They just kind of work. Mm. And, and so, um, I get a lot out of, out of the, you know, the, the joy and purpose piece of, of this book effort, the website, the newsletters, the leadership content, the, you know, getting to a million book sales, re reaching a million people, reaching more than a million people, mm -hmm. getting people to lead, like I think is correct, making the, the, the nation a better, you know, place, um, that it is with, with less, um, fighting and, and extremism and, and, you know, disagreement that drives people apart. And I mean, just, just, you know, interacting as humans, this is a, it gives me a lot to um, believe in and think about. Love that. Well, we're coming up close to wrap up time, believe it or not. Uh, and uh, before we do that, I want to, I want to do two quick things. First one is what do you have coming up that has you excited? Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know, really. I, and, thought about that. I mean, quite simply, I'm, you know, I mean, tactically tomorrow, I'm going to take the boat we own and go right over there and watch the blue angels fly over the Severn river at, you know, Annapolis. I mean, that's, that's exciting. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. You know? How many people who are listening to this are going to get to do something like that? Probably <laughs> none of us. So yes, <laughs> that is definitely exciting. So but do take, you have anything related to like, to your business that's coming up? You're like, yeah. Oh man, this big thing's coming up or this seminar or 
Well, I got a chance to, um, on, on, uh, Tuesday. Uh, so, so I, I will, I will defend my exciting event tomorrow. Take advantage okay. of every day and every opportunity that, that you have, whatever that mm. is, make something exciting happen each day. Something that, that generates happiness and then, you know, enjoy as you go. So I would, I would advocate that to your, your, uh, your audience. Uh, I, I get a chance to, uh, to go and talk to my good friend, Michael Sears, from Atlanta, Georgia on, um, um, Tuesday, no, Tuesday, Wednesday, the 31st, uh, next week and, and, and have a discussion about leading and a, and a safety culture to the Boy Scouts of America, uh, at their big mm. um, convention down in, down in Atlanta next week. So I'm excited about that. Um, love the opportunity to talk to the Boy Scouts and, 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 and share value sets and, and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm going to be pleased mm. with, you know, helping, uh, you know, the organization and stuff. And then I've got a couple couple of of uh speaking engagements kind of out in the future and those always excite nice. me because the different audiences bring yeah bring us a, a different flavor as you well know oh yeah oh to uh to this journey so I, i'm just excited about the opportunities that this effort is putting in front of me that are so diverse and <laughs> um and energizing mm. uh, i didn't you know the navy was kind of the navy and i did that yeah. and then you know in my in organization, well, I kind of go to work every day and I do that and I just kind of do the best I can. This has huge potential. Um, oh, sure. So does. the whole thing is exciting. I mean, the whole, that's what mm-hmm. gives me joy and purpose is the whole thing just motivates me. Oh, that's good. Well, well, always remember, Mike, you are the brand. Remember that you are the brand. The brand does not exist without you. Appreciate that, John. That's important. Appreciate that a lot. You bet. Oh, and I also wanted to point out one other thing. This guy right here, my my recent college graduate, he graduated from Kansas State a week ago Saturday um, with a degree in computer science. He is my Eagle Scout. Oh, look at that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You know, it's, it, it's, it's funny. I, I, I didn't get that far in scouting, not nearly as far as he did. I went sports rather than that. But uh, excuse me, when, uh, when he was through there, you know, they make sure that you know, you don't refer to someone as an Eagle Scout in the past tense, because you are always an Eagle Scout. There you go. No matter what. Yeah. There you go. And, and they, they actually took, I don't know who figured it out and, and it, it blows my mind, but from the time he started scouting and the, till, the time he became an Eagle Scout, you put in as much work as you do from K through 12. Oh, oh wow. Just as much work to do that. Yeah. I believe it. So, um, there was an organization way, way, way back when, when I was growing up called the, the Y Indian Guides, YMCA Indian Guides. I, oh, I remember an, those. Yeah. The Indian guy, my father, so was my brother. And then I, I was in a, a Cub Scout troop and managed to get to Weebelow. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the uh, little neighborhood where we were living and my dad's a Marine, we moved around quite a bit. Um, mm. they, they didn't have a vibrant um, scout troop and mm. the thing fell apart and then we moved. And because uh-huh. it fell apart right as we transitioned, I never, I never sought out the, the rest of the path. Um, gotcha. But I'm, I'm very good friends with uh, Alvin Townley, um, the author who writes about um, Eagle Scouts and Eagle Scouts in American culture and Eagle Scouts who are epic leaders and prisoners of war who survived, you know, all of that. And, and so he, um, he, he, he honors the, the Scouts with a couple of books on that. So, oh, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. I know the statistics have gone up in recent years, but from the time someone starts in scouting to actually becoming an Eagle Scout, when my son was in it, it was 2%. Only 2% make it. Wow. 
It's it's slightly higher than that now, but not much. Yeah, that's the nor- that, that 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 North Star, mm-hmm. right? So your son and and the other two percent, they know that they're gonna go to be an Eagle Scout, and the effort is not worth it unless they're an Eagle Scout, and so they're gonna keep going through that entire path. They're going to go be an Eagle Scout. And yes, I I agree. And trust me, I went to enough of those summer camps. I went to enough of those (laughs) summer camps that were so hot. Oh my gosh. We spent 10 (laughs) days there. Yeah. We scout Jim. I have that North Star for that, man. That's right. (laughs) And that's just one year. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. gosh. John, this has been great. This has been so great. Um, oh, I've loved it too, man. If if you're cool with it, I I run everybody through a a final four. There are four quick questions. Just tell me the first thing pops in your head. Okay. All right, here we go. And I think I already know the answer to the first one, but I'll give it to you anyway. Why did God create Mike? To be on this joyful journey right now mm. and get to a million people. All right. Digging it. Question two. What are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow? Uh, I'm reading a book. I just finished it called The Ultimate Gift by Jim Stovall. Spectacular okay. book. Mm. I just gifted it to a young fourth grader. I won't bore you with the story uh, who I met through the, the book things. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a book called The Power of Now, which is a very interesting book. Um, so that's what I'm reading. And I'm, I just, fin- right before I walked in here, I edited the two video posts that go to next week's newsletter. Mm. Excellent. It's on resourcing resources. So if you sign up on my website for the newsletter, you will you will get our newsletter series, mm-hmm. all leadership and you. That's right. And folks, don't re- remember all the things that Mike's been talking about. All these resources they will be in the show notes, so you'll be able to get be able to get in contact with all these places, be able to buy the books, all those things. They'll be in there, like always. Cool. Question three: What do you do for fun, Mike? Let's see, well, there's a boat right out there. Um, we're lucky enough, and I'm humbled pitching myself every day that we live in the house of Kelly Warner for the last five years. We were in the Navy, and, and I'm grateful for the resources to be able to do that. So that's our biggest hobby. I have a Harley Davidson. We ride a Harley on nice days when we're not going out of the boat. Nice. Um, I am working on my golf swing. Uh, <laughs> what's going to go today? You know, always chasing bogey golf, and, uh, and I fish. So, wow. I do, uh, you know, go out and we got some light tackle, go out here and catch rockfish. Um, I also hunt birds uh, a couple times a year with some good friends. So nice. That's that, that's all those ho- hobbies are neat. Just trying to find time for all the hobbies. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I know, I know the answer to this, but I have to ask, what are you most grateful for? Uh, my family, 41 years of marriage to Kelly, mm. uh, t- two kids who are striving hard through life. Um, and, and the, the wherewithal all to think about my gratitude is the ability to get up every day and and be grateful for that and the resources to be you know to lead with purpose and joy on this journey and be happy in between all those times when i don't want something else (laughs) (laughs) yeah well mike thank you so much for your time today uh for being here so gracious with that uh you have honored me and honored those who are listening and watching with just the wisdom that you've shared with us of your experience over the years that, you know, and you earned every bit of it. So, so thank you for sharing with us. Well, thanks, John. If, if people do, uh, you know, decide to get the book and it's in all of the versions on Amazon, including my own audio book. I mean, I read, I narrate my own audio book. Mm-hmm. I would just tell the audience in all humility, it's one man's journey. Um, I just happen to have these things that happened to me that, 
caused me to learn something. And those 33 stories have a leadership lesson tied to them and then additional leadership resources. And so nothing in there is new. You know, if somebody's looking for brand new leadership, you know, things, everybody plagiarizes leadership. Everybody does. You grab <laughs> from the worst leaders that you, you serve with and you grab from the best leaders you serve with, you put them together in your own personality and you lead. So yeah. that is that book, Learn How to Lead to Win, uh, is one man's journey through a Navy life that, that gave a lot of experience and a lot of failure and, and a lot of opportunities for resilience and learning. So I, I hope that people enjoyed the, you know, our discussion today. I certainly did. And, and I hope that they'll take the time to either listen to or read one of the versions of my book. Well, here's what we're going to do, folks, because you know I do this when I have authors on the show. The first person who takes a snapshot with their phone of this episode you have to tag Mike and you have to tag me on Instagram. First person who does that is going to get a signed copy of Mike's book on me, on my dime. Thanks, I will brother. cover that. Oh, are you kidding, man? We got to get the word out there. We, we got to reach these million people, we don't we? We got to reach a million people. We well, only got a few thousand to go. That's right. Just one at a time, man. One, one at a time. time. That's how we how do, do reach, it. That's right. How do you reach a million people? One at a time. Good that's job. Right. That's right. That's the tagline right there. That's yes, how sir. we do it. So, yes, sir. so it's available for those of you who will take advantage of that. But for those of you who miss out on that opportunity, you can still get, and see, we didn't talk about this earlier. I need to put this plug in. If you go to Mike's website, you can get a signed copy of Mike's book directly from his website. I did it. I know. So, and it's a fabulous read, folks. It's, it's an easy read. Um, it will keep you wildly entertained and you're going to learn in the process. So it's a fabulous book. It is, this is not hyperbole, Mike. It's the best leadership book I've read this year it's by far. And, I've, and I, I have already recommended it to several people, several folks. So again, thank you for all of you've done. Thank you for your contribution, not just on the podcast today, but for what you are giving to the world. Because you, my friend, are making a difference. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. You bet. You bet. And thanks to all of you for tuning in today. You have given me your most precious resource, and that's your time. Because I know it's not renewable, and you can't get it back. So thank you so much for sharing that gift with Mike and I today. And we'll talk to all of you next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.